Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe for a free 30-day trial. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. So may we start. So may we start. It's time to start. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Jesus Christ. Uh, We also have Robin Barr. I am singing a song. Okay, now you just have to repeat that lyric over and over again for six fucking minutes. I'm singing a song. I am singing a song. Yes. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. It's not even worth like being coy. I fucking hated this movie. So if you liked it and are listening to this episode, being like, "Well, oh boy, I hope Ryan says nice things." Leave. I don't think you... anybody listens to this hoping that you'll say nice things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I feel like when I had like it thoroughly enjoy a movie, people are like despondent and they're like, "Oh man." Yeah, because all the movies you like are stinkathons. Didn't we That's like nice. the same movies for like the we past did. three I'm weeks in a row? I'm being a bully right now. Ugh, man. Um, it's a good thing that I am not thin-skinned, and I don't care if you bully me. <laughs> Please feel free to keep doing it. <laughs> my body is a callus. No, my body is still kind of weak. It's my soul that's calloused over. Mm. But anyway, um, we don't have a guest this week. We had someone lined up, swear to God, but things conspired and we were unable to have them. So they'll be joining us another time. So, yeah, that's that. Because I know it used to be funny because I used to have to like explain like why we have a guest. And now I feel like it's a weird moment when we don't have a guest. I like having a guest. It keeps things fresh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's just interesting because like they are like a buffer. Uh, for our like worst natures. I feel like now that we don't mm-hmm. have a guest, it's like when the guests have left the party and like you can finally quarrel with your spouse. It's um, time to get real. That's definitely not how it works in my household. Oh, do you just fight while the guests are still there? Um, I wouldn't say we fight. I would say we bicker. Okay. See, I so I lived in an apartment with a couple that was like the worst and they would become just I- incredibly tense while they were still people there. And then once everyone had left and I had like gone to my room with like a pint of whiskey and a good book, they just had like fucking screaming matches with each other. Were you part of their relationship? What What does that mean? I mean, I lived with them in like a, of an apartment. It just so they were your roommates and they happened to be dating. You weren't like in a triad <laughs> you just happen to be living with a couple like do you hear that first of all Robin, i'm too catholic do you, for do that do you know me at all do i yeah, seem I like the type of person bully. who could handle being part of a triad let alone in one marriage right that didn't work i don't think the missing ingredient was having a third person to fucking deal with Hmm, I don't know. Sometimes you need a buffer. 
No, no, I don't think so. Like no, guests I at was, a party. It was a two, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a two bedroom apartment, and my friend's girlfriend like colonized it after her previous roommates drove her out of her house. So that's uh, that's like the worst reason to move in with your uh, significant other. By the way, ladies and gentlemen who are still listening to this podcast, because I'm not cutting any of this, if your significant other is driven out of their house. For any reason, do not take them in. In fact, it's probably a good time to think maybe I should dump this person. Are you saying it was her fault? 100%. She was a goddamn nightmare. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was like, it's it's one of those things where like, it, like the whole story was like, oh, they're just so mean to me. And so he was like, oh, no, like this poor woman. Oh, unreliable then, narrator. Oh, yeah, 100%. It, then then you have like the moment where suddenly everything clicks into focus and it's like, oh, right. Maybe she just drove them to be that cruel to her. Brian, are you sure you weren't in love with this woman? Because she sounds like your type. No, no, because she wasn't like, it wasn't like sad, like beat up. Oh, everyone was mean to me. It was like righteous indignation. Can you believe that these people were mean to me? Mm-hmm. I pr- I prefer like a dormouse to a to a street rat. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's awful. But that's really also, she was really, really, really into Twilight, and she's one of those people who'd be like, "You should read it because you love reading books, and I don't love reading books, but I still like reading this one." Like that's like a, a thing to say mm. to someone. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, I'm actually shocked considering how much of like a tumultuous moment in my life that was that I don't talk about that living situation that much on this podcast. You just have too much trauma to talk about. Right, there's too much other stuff that has happened to me. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, um, so we're here to talk about Annette. <laughs> it's the newest film from director. Uh, who wants to help me out with this? Is it Leos or Leo? And the S is silent. I'd say Leo Carax. Okay. It's not Leos Carax. I trust y'all. All right. I'm just going to call him Leo because um, that's just, I, you know. LC. Yeah. Good old LC. Well, it's like, I'm concerned that I'm going to like say too many letters in the name. Like when Bill took me to task for calling Lamont Lamont instead of Lamont. And I had a meltdown because I'm like, you can't have a four letter word and just not pronounce <laughs> oh, two like of the letters. Revenant. Yeah. <laughs> no, not like that. Not like that. Revenant. Oh my god. Oh boy. This is great. This is a good episode already. Is it? <laughs> yeah. We've been going for six minutes, almost seven minutes, and we just barely said the title of the bullshit movie we have to talk about. Anyway. Um, You're setting a tone, man. Yeah, why not? If I had to suffer through this movie, I might as well have fun on the podcast. You guys are lucky I'm sober. We're so lucky. Is this fun? It's fun for me. (laughs) I don't care about the rest of you. I am a solipsist. Okay. Okay. All right. Fun. Fun, fun. Having fun. Here we go. Bill, I just assumed that you're still like eating your dinner. (laughs) So. No, I'm I'm officially done. Oh, so may we start? (laughs) Uh, You Uh, may start. Uh, thank you, Bill. Um, so that's this is going to be a weird episode. We are here today to talk about Annette again, the newest film from Leo Carax. Um, and this is uh, currently streaming for free on Amazon Prime. So uh, you don't have to go to the movie theater or nothing if you feel like enduring this. Um, 
before we talk about that, the usual stuff, you can find us on Twitter at Filmstage Show, Facebook, The Filmstage Show. Email us, podcast at filmstage.com. And, of course, give us a comment on iTunes. Go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel. First crack at all movie-related raffles from thefilmstage.com. And a lot of other cool stuff. Um, I think that's about that for that. I should also remind people, though, that we are brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that co- showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a brand new film. Whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, it's guaranteed to either be a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before. And there will always be something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected by their beautiful curators, so you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch, and instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. Um, We are talking about uh, a movie that is... uh, a musical and is scored, I guess that's what you'd call it, by a, a kind of cultish band. Um, so this feels like a, a good movie to talk about that's on movie right now. 20,000 Days on Earth. A fictitious 24-hour period in the life of one of music's most mysterious and charismatic figures, the iconic musician and writer Nick Cave. The film presents Cave's personal analysis of his own life and creative process, prior to and during the recording of his 2013 album, Push the Sky Away. Uh, it also features special appearances from Warren Ellis and Kylie Minogue. So Minogue. Sure what was that? No, it's not really Minogue. It's not Minogue. That's, <laughs> yes. that's how I pronounce it in my head. <laughs> no, I, um, I will always remember the way that you say the name Kylie Minogue because I 100% pretended to be really into Kylie Minogue while fr- flirting with a girl at like a party like my freshman year of high school. If even that much, it might have been like an eighth grade. And then I went eighth home. Eighth grade feels right. I went home and looked up Kylie Minogue and I was like, oh, fuck. This is what I agreed to. <laughs> this it's not terrible, but it's definitely not something where I would have enthusiastically been like, oh, I love Kylie Minogue. Did you actually get into her, though? No, not really. I mean, like I, you know, it's it, it was that period of time when that music was popular. And so, you know, I I like listened to it. And when the girl put it on, I bopped with it i guess you bopped yeah i was like yeah i love this kylie minogue this this australian woman um she can't get this guy out of her head his love is all you can think about that's nuts (laughs) this poor woman but anyway um so check that out uh nick cave the writer of the movie the proposition which i really really love i will say that i have definitely gotten into music because of crushes that i've had yeah. But I've usually ended up really liking the music genuinely. Like I got into the offspring because this guy named Edwin I had a crush on in fifth grade and he really loved the offspring. And now mm-hmm. they're like one of my all time favorite bands. Uh, and I don't really mean, I mean, not to be obnoxious, but like, I don't really love the new stuff. I like really actually like their sort of post hardcore pre pop punk phase. The fan um, of smash the album smash. Yes. Yeah. Smash is great. Yeah. And Ignition, I believe, is the other one that I really like. Um, yeah, I don't know why I thought to mention that, except that it wasn't quite like Kylie Minogue. <laughs> that was the thing is it's like there was another girl who was like, oh, I love this band called Muse. And I listened to Muse and I was like, oh, shit, I actually really love this. Like, you know, that, Muse. that was a good one. Like, that was a really good one. Right. And I was like, I'm lucked out on this lie that I told her. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I also really got into Jimmy Eat World. I mean, I love Jimmy Eat World, but... 
I got into it specifically because uh, somebody I had a crush on was was into it, and oh. they're one of the bands I they're the band I've seen the most. I've seen like them in concert five or six times, oh, and nice. I can sing almost every lyric. Yeah, they're really good. I had the song "Sweetness" stuck in my head for mm. eight months. That seems like something you should go to the audiologist <laughs> for. Or the neuropsychologist. Like, it was to the point that people in my high school were legitimately concerned about me. Yikes. Because I was just constantly humming it or singing it to myself. And I was like, guys, what's, I, what's that song? Sweetness. Yeah, but how's it go? I'm not, yes, no. <laughs> really, do you really want me to sing it? Like, do you really not know how it no. goes? Or are you trying to make me do Phil, it again? you're an agent of yeah. chaos. Because <laughs> if you need me to do it so that you can be like, oh, I know that song, I'll do it. But like, I just don't think I can pull it off because I cannot sing like the lead singer of Jimmy Eat World can sing. Well, nobody oh. can in a net. So it's thematic. Oh, boy. Okay. And really, it's the guitar. <laughs> the guitar is the part that you 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 get stuck in your head from sweetness. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway uh it's the song where they go never mind i'm not gonna do it so that's what are we talking about we're talking about movie which is again the curated streaming service that brings you exceptional films around the globe and you can get a free 30-day trial by going to mubi.com slash film stage again that is mubi.com slash film stage for a whole month of great cinema for free i just remembered i you know what the girlfriend that i talked about during our val podcast oh, okay i know this song oh you're listening to it now <laughs> yeah. wow are you listening? Whoa. And then the guitar kicks in and you're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah and he tells you to sing it back and then you sing it back. It's great. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the girlfriend who well, like we bonded over a mutual obsessive love of Val Kilmer. She did not like Jimmy Eat World. And it was sad because they had a new album come out and I couldn't listen to it in the car if I was driving somewhere with her. I mean, mm. the music is truly innocuous. <clears throat> Right. I was like, I know people who don't love Jimmy Eat World, but I don't know anyone who doesn't like Jimmy Eat World, but apparently like, she was one of them. Well, I'm glad you dumped her. Yeah. <laughs> no, she dumped me. Um, <laughs> Plot twist. Just like the first in a string of women who I was just like, I'll stay in this relationship forever. And they're like, no, thank you. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you know anyway. who can never leave you? Your daughter. You say that, but like, you know, she'll get emancipated at 16 and just like walk out of my life forever. Don't push it into being. (laughs) Anyway, so now that we've talked about all that um, and we've, you know, danced around it and tried to avoid it as much as possible. Who's ready to talk about Annette? I am. Hooray. Me. Cool. All right. Let's talk about Annette. Annette, again, is the newest film from Leo Carax. Carax? I don't know. (laughs) It's going to annoy the shit out of me. Um, It stars Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. And it's a movie. It's about a a stand-up comedian and an opera singer who have fallen in love and who have a baby. And the various things that occur as a result of uh, or around all of that. And yeah, I guess that's about that's about as much as we need to talk about uh, right now. So yeah, this again is playing on Amazon Prime right now. Here is the trailer. First time I fell in love. Woke up next to the girl. And escaped fast and far. The man has changed me. What I see in her is obvious. 
what she sees in me. It's a little more puzzling. One, two, All right. So that is the trailer for Annette, the musical drama, I guess, uh, from director Leo Carrix that is now on Amazon Prime. We begin, as always, with our usual nutshell reviews. And uh, let's kick it off with Robin Barr. What do you think of Annette? Um, I basically hated it. For the first two hours and 20 minutes. Okay, uh, let's let's take a look here. Uh, according to IMDb, this movie is two hours and 21 minutes long. Yeah, so let's say the first two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. Um, as you may remember, I was slacking you all when I was watching it because it was, in my opinion, horrific. Um, I just, and, and not, maybe not specifically because the filmmaking itself was terrible, but it was just kind of the opposite of anything I would ever enjoy in my life. Um, And (laughs) we'll, we'll get into it. So I pretty much hated it. And then the last five minutes really worked for me. And so I, it got pushed up a half a star. So I gave it a fair rating. (laughs) No, to to two stars, because I was going to give it one and a half, which is a very low rating for me. Um, Yeah, I, yeah, and I don't fault Adam Driver. He can really do no wrong, in my opinion. Even when he's in a bad movie, I still love him. So I, I, uh, I liked watching him on the screen. But it's he is playing somebody who it just none of it worked for me. So the the story, of course, is about a sort of anti humorist stand up comedian who is has a very high profile relationship with an opera singer. And it, they're, you know, on the cover of all the gossip columns and stuff like that, which it was it was that was the first thing that made me think this is not realistic in any way, because nobody n- not there's no famous opera singer um, that exists anymore. <laughs> like that was 30 years ago at best is when people cared about opera singers. You think and 1990 people were like clamoring for a fucking opera singer? I don't know. Clamoring, but let's say Pavarotti, like he was very, very popular. Okay, yeah, Sarah Brightman, I guess, is another one. Yeah, yeah. and um, like around the that time that like one. PBS Pledge Drive concerts were huge. Like there were some, there were some big ones in the nineties, um, yeah. but not to the level that they're pretending that this character, or they're they're um, they're make they want you to believe that this character is very famous. I mean, she's probably like, you know, pop star famous, and it just. So that the concept already was like a big ding in my mind because I just did not buy the entire premise. So this couple is uh, very, very much in love. And, you know, because they sing a song where they just go over and over again. We are. We so love much each in other. Love. So yeah, yeah, thank much. You. We love each other so much. So my husband and I sing this now to each other because th- that is part of our natural dialogue is just saying dumb shit like that. And I don't even know what the melody is, but we do go, we love each other so much. And we just That's sing pretty that back close to forth. the melody. Yeah. Thank you. And that is probably the level of musical enjoyment that I have in this movie because I thought the music was terrible. Um, starting with the very first song, which is just people marching around saying that the story is about to start. No, no, like, what? they're not saying it's going to start. They're asking permission to start fine 
They're not. There's oh boy. there's a there's a fundamental <laughs> lack of agency in this movie <laughs> that begins with them being like, "Hey, can we can we begin? Is it all right if we begin? It's time to begin. Can we begin?" <laughs> it was painful. I mean, the, so painful. Um, yes. <laughs> so I mean, we'll definitely get more into it as as we go on, but it was just so hideously boring, and <laughs> I could barely like I just couldn't understand what the point of any of it was and are, I don't understand so are we is the spoiler the character that we should be talking yeah, about yeah I like, think that okay. I think that Annette herself is the spoiler okay so I will avoid talking about her but that was actually my favorite aspect of the movie uh, <laughs> was was the character of Annette um, which we will get into which is very divisive and polarizing and I get it but also oh. <laughs> but but also like I think that Annette was well done. Okay. Just in okay. terms of like the design of the character. Um Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get into it. We but will. yeah, overall <laughs> but good times. There were a couple of things I liked, which was Adam Driver, Annette, and the last five minutes. I like how the there's movie. like legitimately five minutes of this movie that you like, and then you sort of existentially liked the concept of two other things, and that's still enough to give it a two stars from you. Well, I'll say this. It's because it emotionally ended up working for me in an unexpected way, and the last five minutes reframed my takeaways from the movie. Gotcha. So I would never, this is not a movie I would ever watch again. However, when I was describing it to my friend, he was like, oh, this movie sounds interesting and I should watch it. And I just kept thinking like, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the dud here. I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. Bill Graham, what did you think of Annette? So this is not a movie that I would normally go for at all. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it for the first, I would say, hour or so. Um, I was I was weirded the fuck out by it. Um, <laughs> but that being said, like I fell under this film spell just just for the ballsiness and just the way that things were being shot. Um, there's a sequence early on where they're riding on a motorcycle together and singing and it just kind of blew my mind, like how they even captured that. Cause it looks, it does look like a lot of the singing is actually done live, um, which is, you know, a, a feat unto itself. Um, but you know, all of that kind of like, Ooh, prettiness, uh, isn't going to save a film. And I think it started to wear on me as this film, uh, moved on uh by the time the character of annette is introduced i was fully the fuck out um (laughs) and so yeah like i i i don't know what it was about the first hour or so of this film maybe it's because it's a little bit less I'm not even sure how to describe it. Uh, This is definitely a weird film and uh, I would not recommend people watch this with like people that you're not uh, uh, used to going to see interesting films i would say like right. like this, this movie is will ruin friendships and end relationships like yes. if they're not if they're not already built on like a strong 10 year foundation where yeah. they can forgive you for things this will mm-hmm. destroy what you've built together 
Yeah, and this is also a long-ass fucking movie, which is unnecessary, except for apparently Robin was just like, can, can we fast-forward to the end, I guess? Um, so <laughs> well, so that's interesting. Like 40 minutes in the middle, you get to the end all the sooner. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, let's cut I mean, something out of... have rising the, action. Nah, fuck that. Uh, you you, don't, you like don't have to have... Seven of the 12 choruses that make up one of these songs <laughs> and very easily trim this down a bit. But um, that being said, I really enjoyed the first half of this film. Like I said, um, I just wish the second half of the film wasn't wasn't there as well. Uh, <laughs> so if this was an hour and 15 minutes, I would have been hell yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it just keeps going. So that's kind of my mini review. Uh, it says it's 139 minutes. So, yeah, th- that's that's 100 minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> not a hundred. Okay. Give me 60 of those back. Yeah. Give me 60 of those back. But uh, yeah, no, I, I actually really enjoyed this. Um, there are some things that we will definitely be able to talk about more in spoilers and things like that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't really care. I am not someone that is going to judge, uh, you know, whether someone can sing, because I don't know if whether they can sing well is necessarily the point of this. I'm not even sure. Right. Like that's how fucking weird this movie is like, Oh, they, they aren't amazing singers. I don't know if that's the point. Um, so, you know, you just struck upon one of the things that annoys me the fucking most about this movie. (laughs) Well, here we go. Your turn. So that's okay. That's it's a great jumping off point because I hated every fucking moment of this movie, and um, I had to watch it over the course of two nights because I <laughs> gave up at some point, and I was like, "That's it. I'm going to bed, and I'll watch it tomorrow." And and so Sunday, Saturday night, I had a COVID scare. Like someone texted me, and was like, "Hey man, I have COVID. You gotta you know do what you gotta do with that information." I was like, "Son of a bitch." So I went to go get COVID tested on Sunday. And, you know, I therefore wasn't going to the distillery. I had a lot of free time because I wasn't going to go do anything else until I got my test back. By the way, I got my test back. I don't have COVID. But there was a point when I was like, if I have COVID, that's a perfect reason not to do this podcast and I won't have to finish this movie. (laughs) And then I was like, maybe I could push it. Like, you know, but then I got my results at like four o'clock, even though I got tested at like 10 a.m. So clearly the COVID tests are becoming a lot faster. Um, And then I was like, shit, well, now I actually have to podcast about this tonight. And so I, I had a, like 58 minutes left to go. And so at seven o'clock on the dot, I started it because I was like, if I start it now, it will be over and I could jump right on the podcast and I can just be done with this. Mm-hmm. And then I we got a text and it was like, hey, you know, uh, our guest isn't going to be able to make it. They might be able to make it tomorrow. So you want to push? And it was like, yeah. And then I legitimately had to fight with myself. <laughs> And be like, hey, look, you don't have to waste your Sunday night anymore. You can do something else. And I was like, no, (laughs) no, I should just do this now. And then I was really mad that I did that because I did. I wasted an hour of my Sunday night when I should have been celebrating not having COVID finishing this movie. And uh, the last hour is somehow miraculously worse than the first. (laughs) Which is not me saying like, oh, I liked the first hour. It's just the whole movie, the whole way through was bad. It's... um. 
And I think that one of the problems I had with it is I could see all of my complaints and then there was just this annoying nasally voice in the back of my head that was like, well, actually, um, it's, you know, the repetition of the lyrics are talking about the banality of human emotion. And you're really just trying to build, you know, like a, a kind of word cloud, you know, they're just keeping you in the moment in the most banal way possible. But it's on purpose to underline the artifice of musical theater. And I just wanted to strangle my own brain. <laughs> <laughs> and curious. I just... What was that? I'm curious why you did not. I'm curious why you hated the second half even more than the first. I, it legitimately might have just been because I already at that point knew that I wasn't enjoying the movie. Mm-hmm. And so it it wasn't it's like, like a oh, bitch this... eating crackers. Did you say a fish eating crackers? It's like a bitch eating crackers. Please explain this idiom. I have never heard it before. So it's this idea that like, if you are like, let's say you hate this bitch and uh. Okay. Everything she does annoys you. And then you see her in the corner and she's eating some crackers. It's like, well, look at this bitch eating some crackers. Like, doesn't no- matter what <laughs> she's doing. Right. She's a bitch. So I feel like this way about the movie, like, doesn't matter what it's doing. It's I fucking like, hate it. B- yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is that. And I do love that. Um, but it was more like, you know, when I started on Saturday night, I was like, Robin hates it. Whatever. Robin hates great stuff all the time. <laughs> Fuck you. You know, Marion Cotillard is is a person who I've enjoyed many times. Adam Driver. Is a 9-11 truther. She is 100. Apparently also the moon landing. Oh, um, no. Anyway, oh, I'm looking dumb. forward to her and Spike Lee <laughs> making a movie about how fire doesn't melt steel beams and Building 7 was a controlled demolition. Oh, Jesus. Did you see that today? No. Spike Lee has like a documentary thing coming out on HBO and like the New York Times interviewed him and they're like, how come you had like, you know, scientists and architects for truth in your 9-11 documentary? And he was like, there's a lot of questions. I hope that like maybe this documentary will make Congress hold some hearings. Oh, my God. He's so embarrassing. And I was just like, oh, you mean like the entire 9-11 commission that Congress already did? Anyway, um. So that's another fun thing we had to deal with today. Um, but no, so it's so like on Saturday, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll like it. And then it starts. And I will say this. This is another thing that annoys the shit out of me about this movie is that I like the music. I hate the lyrics. You like the music? I think that like if, if you know, the like if it was just like the piano and the beat in the background, I'd be like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. that's fun. OK, right. But like then you put the lyrics on it. And you put it in this story, and I'm like, oh, this is terrible now. So <laughs> and then your brain melts. Right. It's like if you took, I don't know, like The Aquarium by Saint-Saëns, and then just had someone repeating dumb dialogue over it over and over again in a vaguely sing-song voice. You know? It reminded me of um, Philip Glass a little bit. Yeah, I'm good with that. And like, I, I, I genuinely like things like Einstein on the Beach and, and what have you. But that is music that I listen to when I need a, an energy boost to get something done. Because you can't sing along. You don't even really know what's going on when you listen to that music. You're just right. like, I need something to get me through. It's like it's like audio Adderall or something. <laughs> and that's how I kind of felt about this music, where it's just an onslaught of sounds. Right. And and again, I can be into that. Like, there were times when it reminded me of the Pet Shop Boys, which is fun. Um, But I, it, it was just like, but like I said, you put the lyrics on it and you put it in this story and it's just, it's no fun anymore. And so mm-hmm. it was another thing where it was like, 
how do you fuck that up? Like, how do you start here? And then you've got Adam Driver, who's doing the Lord's work, trying to make this all <laughs> yes, make sense. Yes. <laughs> like, there's a scene where he's acting out two sides of a tickle torture. And it's like, this is a genuinely good performance of this thing that he's doing. And I hate it. He can do no wrong. I mean, and that's what I mean. Is like, it got bumped up probably a half star for me just because, because of him. There's, um... So, I don't know if you all ever watched Entourage, uh, but there is no. a, a moment where Vinny Chase is in a movie that doesn't end Robin up happening. Robin seems like the exact audience for that show. You never know. I feel like <laughs> I Robin say, could... I am not like a white man who's 35, but yeah. No, I, that's the thing. Though, is I feel like I, you, I would say that and then you'd be like, oh yeah, like 15 years ago, like when life was very different for me, I was totally into like the first two seasons of Entourage. I mean, I may like it's actually not a show that stands out to me as something I need to catch up on, but I'm not opposed to it. Like I, I like. No, I'm opposed. This sounds real dumb. That are traditionally masculine, like that's fine by me. It just sounds like like, Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I don't even like that show. Oh Jesus! Uh, Yeah, I like The Sopranos quite a bit. Okay. Um, Just shit like that that I have no problem with, but it's bro shit that I just. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, really get I, I'm not that, that, shows, that shows real bro. Yeah. Real bro. Oh, no, no. Real really? pop collars. Yeah. Oh, like, nobody is Brian, on that show. Brian, that show is totally bro. Bill, I was, <laughs> yes, I was joking. I was, oh, uh, really? okay. I was going to be I like, couldn't. Bill, really? That show's bro? Where they just, like, are mean to each other all the time and calling each other virgins? Like, yeah. Or, like, homosexual slurs? Uh, yeah, I bet it hasn't aged very well. But again, nobody on that show is fuckable, so I'm just like, whatever. I yeah, don't care even, enough. <laughs> even the hot girls aren't, to my mind, hot. Like, which is weird. Like, that's a weird thing to fuck up in a show like that. Anyway. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like you reject. Maybe they casted the type. <laughs> I just feel like your version of Overshoot? hot isn't really like <laughs> what a bro's version of hot is. That's a good, solid point that you just made. Um. What was I going to say? Because you like door mice, not street rats. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Um, now I can't even remember what I was going to say. The reason I brought up Entourage is there is, a, there is a season where he's in a movie and it doesn't end up getting made, but they send his dailies to Martin Scorsese and Martin Scorsese off of those dailies is like, yeah, yeah, like I feel like you got some good stuff and you've really matured as an actor. I want to put you in this other movie. And I feel like that's like what this movie could be for Adam Driver. <laughs> It's just Aww. like, all right, well, we're not going to watch the whole movie, but the 20 minutes that we've kind of <laughs> yeah. clipped out, you do some real interesting stuff, and we'd love to put you in a different movie. I loved this man. I loved him since Girls. Just, I um, I saw a tweet the other day him. that was like, how fucking awful is it that the one actor who popped from Girls was the boy? I know, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's so okay. Yeah, but but also like girls ran for what five seasons? Like I, I've I've had this conversation with like multiple actors and actresses and things like that, where it's just like, look, like if you get a reliable gig for five years, like I'm not sure you have a lot to complain about. Like it's still pretty fucking good. He's but he's also, I mean he's by far the best actor in that cast of of the main characters. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. likable people on that show, but in terms of the core for girls, actually that's not true. Adam driver, you know, he's definitely the most, uh, 
his career has definitely taken off. But I would also say, I would also argue. Some might say, um, gone to light speed. Sick. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, he's also great as Kylo Ren. Don't get me wrong. But um, I'm forgetting her name now. Oh my god, I can't believe I just lost her name. Um, Mamet, Mamet's daughter, Zoja Mamet. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, she she has like a pretty good career, and she's very talented. So I think the people who were meant to be actors who came from that show are actors, if, if that makes any sense. Like some of them are more, more like they're meant to be writers or they're meant to be just like pretty. And mm-hmm. the people who actually have the talent really have created a good niche for themselves from girls. Okay. Yeah. I only watched like the first five episodes and then I was like, this isn't for me. Mm. Really? Cause it's about like messy, mentally ill girls. <laughs> they're not again they're not mentally ill in the way that i like my women to be mentally ill i don't know what to tell oh you i feel like oh you keep setting me up like but brian you love these kinds of people and i can't say no and i can't <laughs> emphatically say yes <laughs> anyway yeah, annette annette um, <laughs> are we in spoilers yet because I, I feel like there's an elephant in the room soon soon there will be in spoilers soon because that's going to come part of my thing but yeah i don't know just like there's a whole there's a whole scene where this guy's like I'm an accompanist I accompany and and this is it. like here's the I, like we've talked about musicals and the entire point of a musical is that the music is saying everything that should be subtext as text you know you know like like Eponine is walking down the streets and she's literally screaming at the top of her lungs that she loves Marius but he doesn't know who she is but it's like beautiful right like there's some poetry in it and there's some there's some earnestness in the way that she's a spoonful of sugar uh that's mary poppins which is not les miserables so no i don't know what you're talking about she's she's trying to get the kids to take some medicine right Right. and it she sings a fun song And it, it has a double meaning because, yeah, if you're taking some fucking cod liver oil, some sugar is going to help. But also in life, you're going to have to swallow a bunch of bullshit. And if you do something good on the other end of it, maybe it'll help it go down. But like mm-hmm. this movie, as we've already kind of mocked, is usually a thesis statement repeated ad nauseum until you basically just want to scream at the scene, the screen. I get it. I understand. Please attempt something different. Yeah, I did have multiple times in in this musical where I was wishing that I could skip to the next track. I was like, "Where's where's my skip button? Is there not a skip button? Why why does an Amazon X-ray have like a a like <laughs> move to the next track? Next scene, please." Just like a little <laughs> thing pops up at the bottom and it just says, "This is the lyric for the next 5 minutes. Would you like to jump ahead?" <laughs> like it really is and again, I kept hearing that shitty like film Twitter voice in my head being like, well, the entire point is to underline the artifice and like the emotional banality of a musical. And it's like, yeah, okay, but that's I, I, not like fun or good or interesting. Yeah. Like it really just seems like you think so little of the form that you're not trying, which is not yeah. a good way to be. <laughs> I I feel like the the staunch defenders of this. And, you know, I actually read. uh God damn it. Um, Matt Zoller cites, uh, he had a tweet thread I saw earlier this morning, uh, kind of like just 
saying how much he loved this film but he also mentioned like right away that this was definitely like his uh I think he said something like school uh, musical nerd like background kind of coming out. And I was just like, oh, okay, I got you. But how? I mean, what is about this that is like particularly referential? I Well, he mentioned a lot of it was just the fact that like he was he said like, oh, I want you to sing this song while also doing a backstroke in the pool. And it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah. And then it's like, it's just like a one upsmanship throughout this entire thing. Um, And I guess he also mentioned some of the, uh, the way that some of these sequences are shot. Uh, You know, I kind of tweeted back at him uh, mentioning the uh, motorcycle sequence that I mentioned earlier was like one of my highlights was, you know, but I mean, that sequence lasts like a minute and a half, you know, it's on the screen for 90 seconds. And I was just like, holy shit, this is mesmerizing. And that kind of floated me for another like 10 minutes, you know, but have y'all ever seen Handel's Messiah? Like I have no idea what that live. is. It's, it's I a, have not seen it in a concert, no. Okay, it's a choral piece. It's um, I, I, don't I have not watched very many musicals. It's like, not a musical. It's just full stuff. Okay. You well, go, but, you sit in a church, the choir sings. It's Oh, okay. It's, okay. I think it's where yeah. Joy to the World comes from. Oh, okay. Um, But there nice. is a piece in that that is is it's like all about it's yeah it's like the passion and like you know all that stuff and there's a point where there's literally just a guy who says like they spit on him they mocked him referring to jesus like over and over and over again and Mm -hmm. it's legitimately my least favorite part of all of messiah because it it is just like everything in this movie it's just a repetition Mm -hmm. you know and it's just like i even remember i've watched my friend who is a soprano sing in the messiah and I was like, oh, man, like, that was amazing. I don't think I've ever seen, like, unedited Messiah before. What the hell is up with that five-minute part where you've just got a tenor or a bass singing that they spit on him a lot? Like, we get it. Being crucified is not a picnic. So, I like, again, that's the type of thing where I could see someone who is aware of that saying, like, oh, well, you don't, it's like an operatic choral blah, blah, blah. But, like... Again, that doesn't make it a good idea. Just because it's a reference doesn't mean it's a good idea to do it. So I want, I just, I guess I'm saying all this to be like, I am not illiterate in the form and the other forms that it may be skewering. (laughs) um, But I fucking hated this movie anyway. (laughs) And it's not good and it's not fun. And part of the problem is, spoiler alert, everyone who's still listening, that there is a demonic puppet child that stands in for a human infant for fucking most of the movie. And she is horrifying to behold and legitimately creeped me out. And I almost turned off the movie the minute I realized that she wasn't part of some, like, single-scene hallucination. I mean, she's terrifying, but in terms of the artistry of the puppet, I loved it. But I like weird puppet shit. I love weird puppet shit, too. You know, I like Jan Svankmeyer. I can get into that, but not <laughs> here. <laughs> this was I mean, not for me. Ginger Just, puppets, not really for you. The, what puppets? Ginger puppets. I don't know what that means. 
a redheaded puppet. Oh, I thought I was like, is this like a thing that I don't? Is like a Disney Plus show like Bluey that I'm gonna have to look up? Ginger puppet. Yeah, like gingerbread man, but instead of a gingerbread man, it's a puppet. What? <laughs> I don't know. But also, I like that idea. <laughs> anyway, um, what was I gonna say? No, it's it was like a real. It's like a Chucky ass looking. Elfin. She's elfin. Creep show. It reminded me of Jonathan Taylor Thomas's Pinocchio. Mm. I've never seen that one. Google JTT Pinocchio. Hmm. I I don't know. There was just something about it that I was like, this is so fucking creepy that it actually hits it hits my macabre button or something where it's it so goes beyond the line of acceptability that i start to like it that is incredibly odd but i kind of respect it i guess well i'm trying to think of an example like do you ever have something in your life that is so disgusting that you actually start to fetishize it can you Please give me like a, an instance from your own life um, so that I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, okay, like you know, goth shit. Like, goth shit. Okay. So people who um who really like skulls or something, right? Like it's so visceral that suddenly you're you've hit you've gone the point of like disgust that you start to enjoy the image of it. Like there are a lot. I think there's plenty of things in life that are like that. Is like, this like H.H. Well, H. Holmes when he claimed he was afraid of skeletons, and then a bunch of schoolboys locked him in a pharmacist place, and then he became a serial killer and sold his victim skeletons. Um, maybe, but I'm not. I'm not saying this in the element of like criminality. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, at some point you're like, oh, that's so. Cre-. Okay, Gollum. Like, Gollum is so creepy and gross that I had to have a poster of him. In my teenage bedroom. <laughs> what? I you am. About that? Is this like the beginning of your like gangly dudes? No, I didn't want to fuck Gollum. I just liked Gollum and I attached myself to him because he, I don't know, there's something about him that grossed me out to the point where I started to fetishize it. Is it like, is this like a smell of gasoline kind of thing? Yes, where you're like, a smell oh, of that's, gasoline. That's terrible, but then you're like, oh, it's actually kind of sweet. Like, is it, is yeah. it you? discovering something that you like about it or is it that you like feeling disgusted probably a little bit of both i mean interesting i think a lot of people like so so my point is Mm -hmm. it's that uncanny valley thing with this puppet where i'm like fuck this this is horrible wait i want a doll of this puppet it like immediately went over the line to i i like this puppet because it is so creepy. I, you know, I'm surprised you all don't have uh, an like a an example of this in your own life. I don't think this is a normal thing. No, there's phobia and fetish are very connected. No, see, I mean this is a. I hate roller coasters and heights, and I never like fetishize roller coasters and heights. Okay, how about like I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I, I don't mean fetish like sexual fetish. I just mean this idea that you suddenly attach yourself to something because it like makes you feel feelings. Not all of not all of those feelings are positive feelings, but 
I, I can don't know. see like give sadness. Her, like, smell your own fart. Like no. I'm trying to give an example. <laughs> I don't even like saying that word in all honesty. So like when this oh movie God. opens and the You're weird disembodied <laughs> voice is like, if you must fart, do it in your head. I'm like, oh good. We're starting this fucking nightmare with a flatulence joke. Fantastic. No, Bill, do, you, do you know what I mean here? What I, I'm saying? I don't. I just. I'm no, sorry. I've I wouldn't. Trying. I I have no idea what you mean by I hate this thing so much. Let me have a poster of it. That 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 sounds too much like the literal embodiment of n- know your enemy. Like, <laughs> I mean, I like, hate like, these like, like I need to figure out how to kill him. So I need a poster so I can study his anatomy. <laughs> Yes, okay, like, but I think like, this is why that horror is very know. popular. I think horror people like it not because they love gore, but because they love the feeling of being disgusted. It it's an emotion see, that's no. strong. See, that's that's interesting, but I hate movies that are just gory. Like I like horror because of the catharsis of like either the win or the the hopelessness of of death. Mm-hmm. But like I like them because are- I like the gore. Okay. Well, I hate overly gory horror movies. Yeah. This is so interesting. When things disgust me, they disgust me, and I want nothing to do with them. <laughs> like, I don't then suddenly <laughs> attach to them. Like, oh, this is fucking awful. I should have more of this in my life. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for this, but, like, I love stinky cheeses. I love fermented foods. Like, I like pungency Maybe because it's like a little bit stomach churning. And I don't know. I'm just really attached to it. it. I don't think these things are all connected, but I'm just saying I I'm surprised that I feel like I'm over explaining this because you all are not getting it. <laughs> like if there, there must was be just some one person other person on this podcast who got what you were saying. If only we had a guest. <laughs> right. Let's tweet at our guest and say, hey, you like things that suck. No, it's not the things that suck. It's that that disgust can be an attracting or an attractive emotion. I know that's fucking crazy to me. Like, if, if something disgusts me, I need it away from me. I need to not be near it. Hmm. Like, 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 like I said, even the word farce. I just don't like that. Farce. Like onomatopoeic collection of letters <laughs> together. Like that. The word you're a itself. Prude. What was that? You're a prude. Why is that prudish? <laughs> I don't know. I can just see you all buttoned up like you're wearing a suit right now, I bet. No, <laughs> that's 100%. Uh, I never wear suits. In fact, at my office, they joked because there was one day where they did ask everyone to come in wearing suits. And I said, I only literally only wear suits to funerals. Mm. And um, so I came in and they're like, is that your death suit? And I l- reached into the inner pocket and pulled out the three prayer cards from the three funerals I'd worn Fuck the off. suit That's to. Sick. <laughs> that is sick. That is sick. Okay. That is a thing. You make a prayer card. Um, so, but you hate pornography. We've talked about this. I don't understand right. the appeal of pornography. Wow. I don't, I don't, I don't understand not understanding that appeal. <laughs> okay, wait, let me rephrase that. I understand the Bill's theoretical appeal account. of pornography, but I don't think that any pornography I've ever been exposed to has gotten that reaction from me because usually it's just, it's just really like laughably, absurdly bad. And it, it kind of, to me, showcases the absurdity of human sexuality in general. Hmm. Yeah, so I think maybe there are some people out there 
This is interesting. So it's like some people maybe like porn, for example, because it arouses disgust to some degree and it's like again becomes that fetish phobia thing but see like, uh, i could i could understand that if i was like oh i don't like cuckolding or you know cheating pornography but like i just find aesthetically that pornography is more hilarious than titillating yeah and that's what i'm getting at so like i'm not so, like, saying that all porn has to gross us out to turn us on but i do think these emotions are wired together in in my opinion so anyway, that my reaction to pornography is tied into the fact that I don't find any appeal in things that disgust me. Maybe. Interesting. That's my theory. It's my working theory. You're like, mm. you're like, okay, here's a legitimate question. Have you been hired by Jordan to be my therapist? And he just didn't want me to find <laughs> out. Cause I feel like no. every episode you're like investigating me like a clockmaker. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not a therapist, but uh, the work I do is, is I would say adjacent like in social some work key kind of counseling yeah, yes, type yes. of thing. Okay. Um, so I'm very interested in, in these topics. And this is one of the reasons I love film is because I get to investigate the human psyche. Right. Well, you don't uh, have to investigate in this film because they will scream it at you repeatedly. Oh, yeah. And, and the puppet. So the puppet was just so fucked that I loved it. And <laughs> the puppet also is not just a single puppet. It goes from a baby, like you have a baby puppet, to a toddler I, puppet, to a little girl puppet. So, so I will, I will say this: I am genuinely weirded out by the the idea that someone, some parent, is basically hired, and their child. They basically are hired for their future child and are like, hey, would you sign this contract so we can have your baby on screen? Because, <laughs> you know, like there's there's no baby actors and they're not going to stay that young forever. So we just need constant new babies to be in, you know, all these sequences and all these different fucking movies, which is also one of the reasons why a lot of people will just be like, no, let's not have a child right let's not have a child nobody has children in these movies because they're fucking nightmares to work with and you got to sign all these weird contracts and you got to deal with the parents and it's just like no 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 so like there is something fundamentally weird to me that like a a child is Look, I have limited experience with uh, very young children, but uh, the more and more my friends have children, the more and more I am around young children, which means that I am very much aware that like a child can just up and die. Right. A child can have a medical emergency very quickly. There right? is a thing called and, SIDS that literally stands for sudden infant death syndrome. Yeah. Like. But but I'm not even talking about that, although that is one of those kind of like un, unknown things, right? Like it just happens and people aren't really quite aware like what is happening there and blah, blah, blah. But I mean like there, there can be more uh, understood just issues with a child that like all of a sudden is just like, oh, fuck, like we are not in a hospital right now. What the fuck are we going to do? You know, Um I don't know if y'all have ever taken a CPR class, but uh, yeah, you don't use like normal pressure points and things like that on a child. Like mm -hmm. there's just a lot of things that like 
to me, that seems like a ticking time bomb on a on a movie set that I'm just like, what the fuck are we even doing? Like, why do we have to have a small child here? And so in this way, I feel like the puppet stand in works for me in a way that's like, look, we're not going to do this bullshit where we have a child and it's just like, you know, either a really fake goofy looking child a la american sniper right (laughs) that that got like derided and like i feel bad for the people that had to make that thing and was like and everybody's just like that thing's a piece of shit right (laughs) out of the movie and you're just like holy fuck come on people like you know they're trying not to have this situation with a fucking small child on set um and so i i feel like that piece of the artifice right kind of works for me where i'm like okay they're they're just like fuck it we're just not gonna have a a stand-in you know child like an actual child just screaming its ass off so i was fine with that the thing is is that they start playing with the child in a way like having it move around and having it be aware of its surroundings in ways that i was like okay this is this is definitely creeping me out. And I wish they had done that a little bit sooner because honestly, the first 30 seconds that that child was on screen, I was like, is that a fucking puppet? <laughs> and like, I, like I, I looked at it and like, I had to pause it and like unpaused it and looked at it again. Uh, Robin also kind of, I'm not, I'm not throwing you under the bus, but I definitely took an edible for her watching this. So I was fully in, like I I read the package and it was like, uh, it may take four hours for full effectiveness. And I was like three hours in and I was like, Whoa, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I saw this fucking puppet child and i was i was very concerned with what i had taken i I think i took too much oh dude i think i took too much bro that's hilarious i so i too um sort of you didn't throw me under the bus i mean frankly i've never i've never done a drug so i'm just going on (laughs) never done a drug i love the way you say that not to be nerd i've never partaked of the drugs that i had to snort some (laughs) i've never had los drogas (laughs) (laughs) i've it's not that i have a moral issue with it it's i just just don't know where to get it no i'm not that much of a nerd i just (laughs) can't uh for medical reasons i can't uh take drugs because i i had a parent who was a just had a psych, psychotic, whatever, apparent no, with psychosis, so I can't really do. Um, so I just want to like put it out there that I did not take any drugs while watching this movie. I just thought it might be like a fun experience uh, if you needed something to sort of heighten or amplify what you were watching. Well, I pre-based general... some heroin before I watched this. So. <laughs> the, the general, the general feeling that I got from both of y'all. And then like every other mention that I saw about this movie was basically like, you may want to go ahead and get fucked up before you watch this. And I was <laughs> no, like, wait, okay, I, I just like, Oh, if you know, cause I've never been the guy who's like, it sucks. But maybe if I was on drugs, cause to me, drugs will enhance whatever emotion you're already having. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if you like go out and you start drinking, if you're like, I'm depressed, I think I'm going to drink to try to have a good time. You know that that doesn't work. You've got to go out sure. with a positive mental attitude and then you oh, I, I win. 
I went in with a good attitude on this because I was like, I think my what I was saying was more like, don't fucking bother. Like, this is like, there's there's nothing. I joke about taking heroin. The second half of that joke was going to be and it was great because I fell asleep. And when I woke up, the movie was over. Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you say sick? Yes. Why? As in, as in, like, that's awesome. Oh, okay. As in, as in, like heroin jokes are very specific yeah they are um <laughs> yeah um uh, but anyway so yeah i mean i don't know it's just this uh, i can't with, like this the baby sucks i hated the baby i kept waiting for someone in the movie to be like well look at that fucking kid you know um your kid looks yeah, fucked yeah. up hey are you sure Why that your wife like, was a human d- because d- that is one fucked up looking kid and everyone's like does, does, holding it and like cuddling it and singing about how they love it. And then. Okay. But like, does, does my thing make sense? Like, like we all know, like that you were like, high as shit and you weren't worried. No. You weren't sure if you were actually seeing a puppet or not. <laughs> <laughs> that part. Yes. No, but like, just like, like calling up your wh- friend on FaceTime and be like, I'm going to turn the phone to look at the TV. <laughs> Can you tell me if that's a puppet? Let, like I said, the first thirty seconds, I was concerned, and then it was it became very clear, and I was like, "Why? Why even? Why even hide this? Like it, it's very clearly a puppet." So, no, but like I'm saying, does it make sense that like why would we even go down this road anyways? Right? Why not have a puppet there? Right? The, I feel like you can shoot around it. Like, well, I think uh, the reason that they went with the puppet is because. So, spoiler alert, the character of Baby Annette becomes a world-famous opera singer, (laughs) some fucking how. Uh, Well, she's able to wordlessly harmonize with music. You know. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, okay, basically, here's this, like, fucking unfunny comedian and his opera singer wife that I don't buy and they made a baby together and then she dies like like Natalie Wood she just like falls off a boat in the middle of a fight and was it murder basically i don't know it was just weird and then well, he so acts she, it sure seems like murder <laughs> i mean yeah he he acts like it was murder but it still kind of seemed like ambiguous when i was watching it but whatever so then she's dead and then this baby has this like angel voice from god and is suddenly a world famous opera singer herself to the point where crowds are just screaming baby annette baby annette (laughs) and you're just like what the fuck am i watching the one thing i will say that i liked about this movie which again like the things that i like made me hate it more oddly because they are they are good things and they are wasted here um i like the use of the audiences as a chorus like yeah you're talking about like during the performance stuff and and things like that yeah like when the whole when the whole audience like when they're like laughing in time with the music and then when they're like why Mm -hmm. did you become a comedian henry which is like yes okay like i love this idea but can we have them ask something that is not that obvious Mm. That gives sure. him the like, opportunity I, to say, like, it's the way I know to disarm people. It's just like, I, All right, I Kylo, actually, calm down. <laughs> I actually did like the whole, like, I didn't necessarily think that his stand-up stuff was 
was funny. I don't know if it necessarily was supposed to be funny, right? There's there's yeah. always that like me second guessing this film. Uh right. But like is I, it, is I, he I, supposed to be like it was supposed to be like cringe. Is it supposed to be like, yeah. like awesome show, great job, like that kind of thing? Or I, I don't know. Yeah. Because I saw him come out and I was like, oh he's Bo Burnham. Good. A movie That's where Bo I Burnham too. sucks. <laughs> I like Bo Burnham. Shut up. But he's out there no. and he's like, I'm going to make a bunch of meta jokes that are vaguely musical and people are going to love it. And they're going to get used on every TikTok for the next four months. It was like a little Andy Kaufman-ish, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of like. Well, well you know, was, Andy Kaufman, he filled arenas all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, no, but in the 70s, like. I Even then, know, I was like, joking, kind of. But oh, but I mean, he was yeah. very popular. I mean, first of all, I thought he was. I thought this guy was going to be like Howard Stern. I had no idea what <laughs> I was walking into <laughs> with that performance. I was just like, he oh, is the Bart ape Man. of God, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He what wears that means. a he he wears a what's him call it. Um, a bathrobe, a robe. Yeah. Well, not a bathrobe. It was like a wrestler or like a boxing robe. I mean, he definitely comes off like a boxer, but like it. Yes, he it does. Feels like it's a bathrobe. Like it's so thick and luxurious. <laughs> it's definitely a bathrobe. Uh, a boxer robe is usually like, like some kind of like. Yeah, it's it's like a shiny breaker. material. Shiny material usually. It is not something that you would use to soak up sweat like right, a bathroom. Knowing, not knowing what this movie was when I first saw him, I was like, oh, he's a he's a boxer. That's great. Yeah, and yeah. then it was like, that, no, that's what I thought worse. too. He's the kind of comedian that you hate mixed with a different kind of comedian that you hate. And I was like, well, oh, you th- good. You think he's a boxer because he's like noted noticeably like uh like shadow boxing and then he's also uh doing like jump rope and i think yeah. he even has like high high uh laced uh shoe boots well you right? see what, is, is, what the movie is saying is that for him every performance is a battle between him oh and the boy. crowd <laughs> yes 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 um but i i do want to say a couple of things here uh a he was smoking a cigarette while also eating a banana and i can't think of two (laughs) things that i would rather do in my entire life than possibly that like that sounds horrid in so many ways eating or drinking because of banana or is it because of the cigarette it's, it's it's both both together. It's, it, yeah, I like bananas. I I also have partaked in my share of cigarettes. Ooh, Whoa, you partook oh in the cigarette. Yes, I've also never uh, ha- smoked a cigarette. Wow. Well, that does not surprise me. Um, <laughs> but that being said, the combination of the two sounds like just nightmare fuel like that is a banana is a a a uh a subtle flavor i would say like banana is not like a a strong pungent flavor it's not like a citrus or something like that so it's not going to overrun whatever you're eating which means that basically that banana tastes like a banana cigarette which is it's (laughs) first of all never eat anything while smoking a cigarette you know, you like can, a clove. You can drink stuff while smoking a cigarette, but you cannot eat anything while smoking a cigarette. It is awful. And again, mm-hmm. the banana part of it is is as you said, Bill. It's bad because the banana doesn't have a very strong flavor, so it's just going to amplify the flavor of that cigarette. It's going to mm-hmm. suck. And then he like uses the banana to put out the cigarette. I don't know, but he needs that <laughs> potassium because he's about to go and he's going to sweat twenty pounds of water, yelling mm-hmm. at this crowd. 
Mm-hmm. But I also did like the performance there. I liked the idea of like this crowd maybe having some, uh, what are they called? Plants, right? Where it's like, okay, someone in the crowd is like participating and knows their line. And so they're going to yell it back. And then eventually this turns into kind of like a Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of deal where everybody kind of knows, you know, their part. And then maybe it subtly changes or something like that. I don't know. Like it, it does seem kind of tiresome to be that performer and have these people yell at you in like song and stuff like that um, without it being like something that you know. Like how how funny is a punchline if you know the punchline, right? You know, over and over and over. So I just well, once again, I don't know. TikTok. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know how well that would like actually work, but I did like the idea of it and I was enjoying like that performance. I was I was also fascinated by his uh, his microphone cord. He seemed very, uh, very agitated by the thing. I was at, freaking at out. Like, I was like, you're going to trip. That was <laughs> me anxiety. Yeah. yeah, I and and that is again that is a focal point of the first hour or so of this film, which was like I didn't know what to do with it, right? But I was enjoying it, and so you know that that takes up a good five, ten, fifteen minutes of this film, where is him performing for the first few times um he does move to uh las vegas which seems like an unfortunate situation which also like he ends up bungling it seems like um well yeah because he makes a joke about murdering his wife (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then which i wasn't sure if that was part of the play or if that was an actual act like he was he was just going off the cuff there. I I couldn't tell how much of this, like I said, because of the way the audience reacts, I couldn't tell how much of this was off the cuff or if this was like, you know, Leo Carax's like heightened reality of like, no, it is off the cuff, but they just know exactly what to say. And it's like, like, okay, 50 of them know. (laughs) Yes. Because again, it's musical reality, you know? So sure. You're, you're singing and dancing and then everyone on the street is like, you know, screaming at you and you scream back at them like, well, this is something we've seen before. Like, sure. that's totally cool. And like, again, I like that, but I think that the music just does a super hardcore disservice to literally every aspect of this film. <laughs> and then like, there's the accompanist. I like, I liked him. Oh, yeah, he had that one scene where he was like, oh, I'm sorry, what was that, Robin? No, no, no. I was going to say I'm glad we're bringing him up because I have thoughts. I'm in Hellberg. Yes. Was, he yeah. is the young uh, rabbi in uh, A Serious Man. Oh, okay. In, um, <laughs> yeah. Big Bang He's Theory, the, which yeah, is like the Big largest TV series of like the last 10 years. I've, I've, yeah. I didn't know that. I've never seen that show. I only know about you the one guy who's it. in the annoying computer ads. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Wait, I don't know who that is. The guy who's he sucks. He's got a pinched little face. He looks like a rat fink. Um, okay, Grandma, I have no idea. What, I don't watch commercials. How many like, fucking people are in this TV. movie, the, this TV show? He's like the There's popular like, one. They have like seven people. He's got a round face. He talks like a robot. Sheldon? I, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sheldon. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. I, I don't know. I don't watch like regular TV with regular advertisements. <laughs> Um, okay, so banish I love the, you. <laughs> but anyway, I love so the that Simon Helberg and Adam Driver are both because I would, 
I have a crush on both of these men. I of mean, course in you different do. ways. And yeah, clearly... and they represent two different sides of my personality. One, like the dark, tall ectomorph, and then like the, the squirrely, like nerd. I just love them both. And uh, clearly, Anne Diffrenau has a thing for men with prominent noses. Wait, who does? Anne, the, the literally the the female character in this movie who slept with both of these characters. Wait, you, Marianne. What did you call her? Her name is Anne de Fresno or whatever. Oh, Fre- okay. I didn't hear the first part. So I kept saying like DeFrono, like it, that's not the director's name. DeJorno? Anne, <laughs> the character of Anne, who yes. is in the middle of this triangle yeah. of love, is clearly has a thing for men with prominent noses. Triangle of love. So do you think that this, so, okay, a big plot point in this movie is that Simon Helberg is really drawn to this child. And then he starts to suspect that, and he was in love with uh, Marion Cotillard's character before she died. And supposedly they had an affair and maybe he believes that he is uh, Annette's real father. But okay. But, so like, that's the, th- maybe they could have written a couple of more lyrics and repeated them a bunch more. But like, I was confused because he says that they had an affair, but then he says it was before she met Henry. Yes. So it's not really a fucking affair. You just had a fling. Then why does he think he's the baby's dad? I don't know. I don't know. How soon after they got married did I they don't have know. the baby? Like, that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. There is no real easy timeline. No, he's like, hey, she might be mine. I loved Anne. And I'm like, uh, okay, uh, I don't know what kind of education you got from your very, very, very Christian <laughs> parents, but you don't make a baby just out of love. You got to bang it out. And he's like, we were only together for like a week or something before she met Henry. And I was like, okay, so unless that baby (laughs) happened like... A sperm, like, swam into like a little corner waiting. Well, that's the thing is like, okay, so like, do do Henry and Anne assume that their baby was like conceived their first night together? And like, you know, but she's not like showing when they're doing all the other stuff and getting married and shit, right? Like... But he does say affair. So I was like, oh, like maybe that's the thing is like maybe he, he did have an affair with her when shit was going bad. But like shit only really started to go bad truly after the baby was born. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You could take 20 minutes out of this movie to just have two characters screaming that they love each other. But you can't take two minutes to clarify a timeline to make this fucking story make sense. But yes, I think... a big part of the movie is the fact that he was in love with Anne and he is drawn to the child and he says it's exploitation, but apparently doesn't think that enough to not do it and turn a two-year-old into a world-famous aria singer. Mm-hmm. And I did like the fact that the child gets, like, embarrassed and, like doesn't want to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show. It's yeah. the like, yeah. yeah, we would definitely have a baby opera singer as the Super Bowl halftime performer. I mean, that you know, amazing. that's stupid as fuck. But like I, there was by that point, I was like, OK, in the, the the world of this world, this movie, clearly opera singers matter more. <laughs> and we're just I'm just yeah. going to deal with it. Like, I'm not going to there's so much other shit to hate that is like in the bones of this movie as it wants to be taken that I can't even be that mad at like the concept of a two-year-old opera singer again, who doesn't use words, who just harmonizes in sound, like, you know, word free vocals. 
Yeah, she's like when when uh, Ursula is screaming at Ariel to sing, and Ariel's like, uh, I don't know the words right now, so I'm just gonna. Uh. I'm a fish, and I don't speak English. Ingfish. Um, <laughs> oh boy! Wow. Um, but yeah, so Simon. Ha- I mean, like this is another point where it's like he's giving a great performance. Not the first time. His first song sucks. Where he's just like, I'm an accompanist. I accompany Anne. Uh, I'm an accompanist. Uh, I do stuff and I accompany Anne. But the second one where he's like, it's like the lyrics aren't any better, but his performance is a lot better. Because he's like, <laughs> you know, some shit's happened. I'm a famous composer now. Don't think about it too much. Like, this is just mm-hmm. the fucking movie. Um, give me a second because I got to really work my arms on this one. But I do like him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, his like eyes are welling with tears and he's got this fucking look on his face. He's very intense and he keeps like, like you know, it's clear that he's got... It's it's that kind of thing where like someone's really really angry, but they still have the presence of mind to be like, "Pardon me, a moment, while I like go deal with this thing." And then they go in the back room and bludgeon someone with a baseball bat, and then come back. <laughs> like that's what he's doing, and I think it's very good. But then the rest of the movie, he just sucks, and he's a little milk toast cuck, and then he fucking gets drowned. <laughs> that was yeah, like those parts, you know, they, they almost worked for me. There are some standout sequences, I'd say. It reminded me of the murder scene in Undine, where somebody's just getting <laughs> getting dead oh, in yeah. a pool. <laughs> Every time someone gets deaded in a pool, you got to think of Undine. Yes, exactly. Undina. But you know what worked for me in that scene was not so much the murder itself, but the reaction from baby Annette, who was just like frightened as fuck. And emotes like the puppet emotes after that happened because they're scared of their father and they know exactly what just happened and then you know she yeah, blows did you up say the they are the well, did you say it's they're not a, it's not a person bill i mean it's yeah, made yeah, of wood. I, she, I mean whatever like i keep calling okay, it, it just... so you know i understand dehumanizing <laughs> it <laughs> No, but I mean, I don't know. I tend to say they a lot just because of like gender. Oh, that's things, that's but, fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, no. It, oh, I just so don't just part think of my she's lexicon. a real person. She's not. And then that's part of it too is, well, I don't know. She I don't ain't got say, no like, soul. She doesn't get a gender. But but she, um, but baby Annette eventually blows up her dad's spot and tells the world that he's a murderer. Yeah, she spills the, the tea on him like yeah. hardcore. <laughs> I was just like, all right. Daddy kills, kills people, people and everyone's just like, uh, <laughs> hey, should we like figure out a way to get her down from the weird ass lightning bolt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, okay, so here's the sequence that really worked for me, which is the last few minutes of the movie where um, Adam Driver's character has been in jail and she goes to visit her dad and then the puppet sort of becomes a real girl i don't know if it's some pinocchio reference or something. <laughs> this is the thing uh-huh. is i'm i tried to figure that out i was like oh is it is it like have we just been seeing the projection of his own concept of what a child is mm-hmm. like has he just never like thought of a her piece as a of human? manipulable wood right or like is it is it that she is now old enough that she can no longer be treated that way you know, has she like I, so? Is I think it, is I think they a, just finally 
cast the girl. They, <laughs> they were like, oh, we can afford a real actor. Um, yes. Yeah, because there's a. I'm like, are we seeing the scales fall off of his eyes, or has she Pinocchio style become a real girl through her own, you know, exercising of her agency? Or right. is it like Bill said, where they're just like, she's four in this scene. We can hire a girl. <laughs> I think it's like all the above. I don't. Oh, my God. I So that's what made it work for me. And that was actually a, quite an emotional sequence. And I. I don't know. It just worked for me. It suddenly made this whole thing plausible in a way. I, I can't. Well, I can't even really articulate it. <laughs> I don't even know like emotionally plausible where I actually felt I felt the sadness of that scene um I can't even really explain it it's just like it's so tragic right this this man who thought you know he loved his daughter but was really controlling her and then he goes to jail and then he, he sort of has this like redemption I think he did no I don't think he's that deluded I mean I just he clearly doesn't love her. I mean, he even this is another problem with this movie. Even though he sings a song where he's like, the thing that I got going for me is I'm a good dad, is I don't buy that. Because if you're just repeating that line over and over and over again, I don't <laughs> believe in the emotional reality of that line. If he was like, you know, doing some... If he was like Javert, who's singing this song where he's like, I am a Christian man and I know what is right and I follow the book of the law and the book of the Lord... Like, that's how you see Javert and you're like, I understand this man and I cannot fully hate him, even though he's trying to take Jean Valjean back to jail for stealing a loaf of bread that he then had to spend 20 years in jail for. Like, you need the extras. Otherwise, it just sounds like this fucking asshole doth protest too much. So, like, even though he has a whole song where he does nothing but say, I'm a good dad, I'm a good dad. Like, I don't believe it. I don't think that he actually <laughs> thinks that. I think he's trying to make himself believe it. I think he's a piece of shit and he knows it. Maybe. I don't know. This movie <laughs> didn't really make a lot of sense in so many ways. Right. It's it's crazy that you have a musical and you cannot clarify the emotions of your characters. That is that is just a it's failure. because the story made no sense. The story just was built on a premise that was so ludicrous that I couldn't and like not in a fun way. I mean, I think you you kind of hit it when you said this earlier, Brian, which is that there there were so many elements swimming around in this soup and it and it could have worked, but nothing about it was fun. It was very sloggy and it felt like I was being trolled for two and a half hours. Yeah. Like I feel like the only thing that would be like if 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 I'm in a room having this discussion and Leo Carax is listening to me. I feel like the only way that he could hate me more for than me not liking it is if I claimed that I liked it. <laughs> like I feel like that you're being your inauthentic self. Right. He he's like, oh, he, he didn't like it. He doesn't understand my genius. But then if I was like, I love this movie, he'd be like, that fool. He doesn't understand that I was making fun <laughs> of him. And I'm just like, yeah. Leo. You can't do that, man. You gotta there has to be a way for someone to experience this that you don't look down on them for and he would just smoke a thin cigarette and blow the smoke in me and then eat a banana because any person <laughs> that would invite me to their party is an idiot like i don't know that's not the phrase but you ever hear that before i wouldn't want to be a part of a club that would have me as a member yeah thank you <laughs> i 
<laughs> Anyone who invites me to their party is an idiot. I do like that more. <laughs> if you want me around, you're a real piece of shit. I'm a great interpreter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's what it, that's kind of how it feels a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you liked it? Well, joke's on you, idiot. I made it to suck. I made it to figure <laughs> out who's an, who, who's, it's like a real emperor has it's no like clothes. It's like a shibboleth. Kind of it's like if you liked it, then you're dumb. And if you didn't like it, then you're smart. Maybe he's listening to this and he's like, that guy keeps screaming, but he sometimes says the one good thing I put in the movie. Like, what if I'm the only person who gets the combination? Right. Like, what if that's it? What if he's like, you get it. This you is your Da Vinci code. You found the 10 good minutes in this movie. <laughs> and this is why I can't hate it. I mean, do I think it's pretty terrible? Yes. But I also, I didn't like Holy Motors. I mean, it for maybe this is just not a, not an artist that I connect with, but I don't really, I don't really get movies where there are too many random elements where I was like, oh, that's so random. Like, I don't, it, like, I don't, I don't like movie Mad Libs. Um, and that means that I don't also like a lot of comedy that's quite like that. So maybe it's just his style of comedy, that absurdism, just or whatever surrealist style where you throw in a lot of elements because they're there to be weird. Like that just doesn't work for me. Hmm. Hmm. Let's okay. reflect. I don't so know. it I... seems like we all didn't like this movie to different extents. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've never watched another movie by Leo Carax. And like, I remember I said that about some other thing and someone gave me shit on her, our iTunes review being like, oh, you know, it's pretty bad when they, you know, openly say that they didn't watch any other movies by this other person. And it's like, hey, look, there's always got to be a first. Yeah. So don't give me that shit. If you're about to type a tweet that's just like, oh, he's never seen any other of them. Really? Do you think it would have helped? Would it have helped me? I've I've seen Holy Motors. I didn't like it. Yeah, did <laughs> right. I. That's the thing. What if I'd come in even more hot with even more bad things to say? <laughs> and that's the thing is like I, I I had said that on our Slack channel when someone was like, "Oh, I love Leo Carax, blah blah blah," and I was like, "I've never seen anything by this fucking person." And um, I'm gonna do it this time because I gotta because we decided not to do Pig or anything else. You know, we could have done Reminiscence. I could have stared at Hugh Jackman's beautiful face for two hours. No. Hugh Jackman. No. Did you just just call him Hugh? Ackman. Yes. (laughs) That's his name. I think we we could have done Pig, but I have to be honest, I didn't love it either. It was fine. At least I, I, there's a part of it's like, at least that one sounded interesting. This one is one of those, those things that like, is like if Coda went bad, where I looked at it and I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like that. Mm. And then I didn't, and that just makes me feel even worse. But like, as Code approved, sometimes I walk into a movie like that, and then a, you know, friggin' guileless singing girl who signs and is the, you know, linchpin for her deaf family can turn my heart around. Not so in this movie. <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand. Like, you know, this is a very divisive movie, not in the sense that it's like, critically panned or anything because a lot of critics do love it but it's it's quite a mixed reaction i would say it's like a 50 50 which is not that 
typical I, I, um, something like this. I like never know nowadays, now that I have a child and that like, you know, I've, I've sort of pulled back from being a part of the movie culture, except for like this podcast and my occasional written review. I like never know where to go to like read a review, you know, unless like one of the people I follow on Twitter tweets their review out, but like it, they really only do that the minute the embargo's up and then they never talk about it again, which is an indictment of the way that our culture talks about movies anyway. Um, but so I saw this movie and I was like, oh, God. And then I just went to RogerEbert.com because that's what I used to do as a 14-year-old. And why would I stop now? Um, and they loved it. And I just read the whole thing. And it was like, oh, this this person is, in fact, the annoying voice that was in the back of my head. And it's a really well-written review. And it, you know, it, the way they described the movie sounded something great. But, like, this, that is not what I saw. So I I just saw it's my only point of, of knowledge of this. Like I saw that it had like on Amazon, it had like a 2.5 star rating. So I imagine the cinema score for this would be quite bad. Of course. Yeah. But what is its what not not that Rotten Tomatoes matters, but like what is its Rotten Tomatoes score? Does anyone know? I'm not off the top of my head. We were saying it was divisive, so I thought maybe there was like numbers involved. It's got a 71%. The audience score is 76%. Really? Jesus. That's surprising. Oh, but it's... (laughs) This is funny. The audience score is fewer than 50 verified ratings. So -hmm. that's the problem. Yeah. 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 Spectrum of, of meh. Or you're not not us. You're saying that the wider culture is the spectrum of yeah. Meh? Okay. Like I was about to say, I feel like I am off the spectrum of meh. No, I understand. I just well, I but I do Does know he, some some critics what are is really on his rapturous. Neck? What is oh, on yeah, his face? He's got like some sort of wine glass birthmark that seems to get bigger as the movie goes on. Yeah, it's it reminds me of the scarlet letter right with the priest and he's got the thing on his chest Uh uh-huh yeah i thought about that and i was like oh man are we doing some sort of weird like oh it's the mark of sin on him Mm -hmm. or is this you know it's it's like um didn't that fucking girl in stupid ready player one have a wine like spilled wine what do they call it like a wine stain on her face i've never seen it and she thought it made her ugly, even though she's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I've never, I'd rather I haven't seen the movie. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, she's played by the girl from Thoroughbreds. The one that's not Anya Taylor-Joy. But anyway, uh, yeah, I saw the thing on his face and it, it seemed like he was picking at it. Mm-hmm. But then it just, it sort of got bigger, but it was never enough of a presence in the movie for me to care about or to really think that much about. And then I like went, I thought about going and seeing if it was in any way present in the first couple scenes. And then it made me realize that I would have to like watch some of this movie again. And I decided not to. Good choice, man. Yeah. And then there's that whole scene where like, she's like dreaming about him getting me too Oh God, that was so fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> you just I saw this movie several weeks ago so it's not as like fresh but you just keep bringing me back to the hellish experience of watching it. I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast. It feels so artificial. Like nothing about it felt but don't authentic. Don't you see Robin that the point is that it underlines not only the artificiality in the form but even in our own lives. 
<laughs> I'm sure that's some bullshit, like for real. But no, I mean, again, that's the annoying film Twitter voice, you know, of of the the person with six followers who's going to yell at me for not liking this movie. Do you get yelled at? I don't really. I don't know. Sometimes, though, most of the time, I think all the people who used to yell at me have died or realized that I don't give a shit. Because <laughs> um, nowadays, it's just people who are like, "Hey, I love you, and I'd really like to hear you talk about something else." Like someone asked, "Okay, I need." film stage show to do an episode on the empty man starring brian j rowan's favorite james badge dale like that's the kind of stuff i get nowadays hmm. your real patreon patrons yeah like this is a person who just is like uh i know you well enough to say that i feel as though you know you you know we need this because james badge dale is a, like i i get angry about having to do this podcast a lot um when we talk about shitty movies like this one but it is kind of fun to me that somewhere out in America is someone who's like James Badgedale, this like fantastic character actor who I would say is like on the C plus list, you know, but I know that somewhere out there is a band named Brian Rowan who loves him and I'm going to tweet about it. And I'm just like, that's my life. And that's a pretty good life, honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, you're, you're a critic. In my firm belief, critics don't really exist to be the voice of the masses. They exist to be themselves and then find their audience by just being themselves. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like I have, like there's certain critics where I'm like, I'm either not going to read it or I'm going to read it knowing that I'm not going to agree with them, you know, mm-hmm. but like just knowing their taste and how it aligns with my taste helps me to, to navigate their thoughts yes. and feelings and see how it apply to myself. Um, yeah. So like, like when, when Avengers Endgame came out and I got a tweet from someone who said legitimately like the lights in the theaters went up and I said, Oh, Brian Rowan's going to hate that. Mm. and i was like it's it's like did you really you really like out loud said that (laughs) like were people confused as to who this this random person was that you were talking about but it's like oh that's how you know you've made it yeah i was like that's your first thought after seeing a movie like i feel bad even though i hated that movie and you were correct i still feel bad that like i infected your first time seeing (laughs) it but it's cool i like it um i unlike annette (laughs) so annette C minus. So I, I do have a question, just just because we talked about it. When when she has the the paranoid dream about him getting me too, is that her subconscious acknowledging his propensity for violence, or is that just her being scared? Like it seems to have no effect on anything. I mean, it could be related. It could be foreshadowing the murder. Yeah. Slash- not murder i don't know what was our take on this i i don't i don't know bill do you have a take on was it murder i have no idea we all watched this movie right we did (laughs) we did i'm sitting here and i'm like someone's gonna get mad at me because there's like a five minute section that my mind just skipped over and it's gonna be him screaming i'm about to murder you and i'm about to murder you and i know that's what i'm like did i I mean, I got the reference. Like, it's definitely a Natalie Wood callback right. thing. Yeah. But, but it, it, with a I, little bit of the Tempest sort of swirling in there. Yeah, because then he and his daughter jump in a lifeboat and go to an island. <laughs> <laughs> um, And that's when she first sings. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing, like, I really do, like, I feel like Jordan's going to yell at us and be like, none of you people remember the 48-minute section where he strangles her and then throws her off the boat? 
Well, I don't think we have to belabor it, but yeah. we don't remember. <laughs> but okay, so in that in that case, the, the way he was acting afterwards, it really did seem like it was he was a murderer who couldn't believe yeah. he got away with it. Or he, was he just a guy who's like, oh, well, that's a lucky turn. I mean, like that's exactly what's husband. <laughs> it could also just be he feels guilty because he was drunk during that time. Yeah. Maybe. And so he point. doesn't know he doesn't know if he actually did it, if he did it on purpose, if he like, you know, there are things in that situation where maybe your mind kind of plays tricks on you. Right. You, yeah. you think it over and over and over again and you wonder what you could have done differently and all of that stuff. So, you know. Yeah, I, I'm that's a totally plausible reading of it. Um, okay. I had another, and then yeah, let's get know, the fuck like, out of here. You no, know, because I I wanted to bring up like another thing just about this movie and its complete lack of like cognizant like nominal emotional stakes or arcs is that like when they're on the road he like never touches his daughter. <laughs> it's like Simon Helberg comes in and is like, "Hey, I'm the accompanist. I'm gonna hold this child all the time." Like, so that's another reason, Robin, where you're like, I think that he, you know loved this daughter i'm like no he never that's he never even thought he did like he knew what he was doing like you can't be that fucking oblivious i think he did love her but it becomes wrapped up in his ego until the end when he like has his epiphany and suddenly she's a real person to him yeah and to us god i hate this movie um okay are there any final thoughts on this I just thought the music was bad. That's my final thought. I again, I think that like the music is good. I think the lyrics <laughs> is bad. Yeah, but you can't separate them. Again, like I, I don't know. I feel like I could hum the I like the when like the the may we start thing. I kind of like the like the beat, you know, and like the I don't is it like there's a drum and a piano maybe I don't know. It's we like love it's each fun. Other so okay, but much. that one sucks, and I don't even think the music in that one is good. That's the but only like, one I remember. You barely even remember it. You just literally you said you didn't even know what the melody was. <laughs> well, that's the only one that stuck out to me because, like, once again, my husband and I sing this <laughs> bastardized version of this one line to each other. We love every each day. other so much. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> another... now you make it like a bop. <laughs> We love each other. No, yeah, scat. it's uh, it's really Skilly bad. Doop. Hey, uh, baby, I got a great idea for this week. Do you want to go into a field and uh, wander around and just sing that we love each other so much? Yeah, that sounds great. I must tell you, though, if you come up with any other lyrics outside of just saying that we love each other, I'm divorcing you. <laughs> no, I'm going to throw you off a boat. <laughs> <laughs> going to kill you dead. Yep. In a pool or a boat. When I'm going down on you, I'm going to sing that I love you. Oh, I fucking hated that scene so much. First of all, to call that a scene is bullshit. Okay. (laughs) I heard coming out of con, like, there's a scene where he sings into her vagina. And I was like, I can't wait for the five minute scene where he rhapsodizes poetic about the beauty of her vagina. And instead, it's like one shot. And he's not even singing to her vagina he's singing in the vicinity of her vagina while looking into her eyes but that just like i thought that was so vomitatious frankly it was just so poorly <laughs> staged and then also i'm just sick of venerating all of these cunnilingus 
scenes in movies like we get it why does this have to be like oh this is so feminist like fuck off look you're not a real man if you don't go down on your lady like okay we all know that but do i have a real feminist eats ass (laughs) i don't know you see this all the time in movies like wow they had like a, a shot of somebody going down on a woman wow like okay and i, I will say it. that that is a weird thing about ted lasso <laughs> is do tell it's like the cutest kindest show ever and it it does not really have a lot of sexually explicit stuff but there are two times in the course of so far like one and a half seasons where they've just full-on shown a guy about to go down on a woman and it's the same woman is it just keely i yeah okay it's there's Jamie Tart and then there's Roy Kent. Uh, I guess spoilers for stuff in yeah, no shit. yeah. You just um, spoiled a lot. Sorry, been out for a year. Like, two whatever. different people go down on Keely. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't Rebecca. Yes, unfortunately, it wasn't Rebecca. <laughs> but All yeah, right, on that it's, note, so it's one true pairing. It, it, it's just <laughs> like it's what you were saying, Robin. It's like you know, oh, like it's this is like it's almost like. We're not going to show a sex scene because that would be gratuitous, but we will intimate that this male is about to go down on this woman because that is how you know that we are an inclusive, feminist, diverse, forward-thinking, progressive program. Ugh, that shows so are you, ta- are you talking about... No, you, you're, you're definitely talking about... Uh, Ted Lasso? Yeah, Ted Lasso. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's why I said program and not <laughs> How movie. many edibles did you take before the show, Bill? They're kicking uh, this one. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Zero. Um, no, okay, but I will say that like the scenes in movies that are like that, unless a woman is directing it, I really don't care. Like it, there are times where it works and it's sensual and it's special, and then there are other times where it's just like you. It's like you're carving a notch in your in your board. Like oh, we look, we're so forward thinking. Wow. We had a scene of a guy going down on a woman. Like, all right. I don't, I, what are the, what are I, the, I don't think it's that Jesus. Like, I think that it's, you, these are all very cynical cunnilingus moments. <laughs> my cynical cunnilingus take is that yeah. I'm sick of seeing them on screen because they feel more performative than authentically. If erotic. We, we, what we need for this movie is we need one scene where a very pretty woman is a lot smarter than an older man. We need a, a scene where a girl takes off her heels and puts on tennis shoes. And we need a scene where she requests and is granted cunnilingus by a man. And that is how people will know that we are a feminist progressive show. It's <laughs> like, okay, good. I love it. Yeah. And then we don't have to worry about anything else, right? Mm-hmm. On yeah. that note... Yes, if you have thoughts on conolingus and you would like to send them to us. (laughs) Oh, man. Not DMing. What's your favorite cynical conolingus scene? (laughs) Tweet at us at Film Stage Show. (laughs) If you have longer thoughts. Better not be a history of violence. (laughs) See, I think that's actually a good one. I think that that whole, that whole, because that is explicating the way that the sex has changed once his true nature is known to them. Um. I like the one in Poison Ivy, but it's there. 
it, it's it's mm, i don't want to spoil it is there a reason that people keep bringing up poison ivy it's me it's me that's only bringing it up and okay. i really want to do an anniversary episode of it so i'm going to save my thoughts what what how how in 1992 so would we wait until like next year dude that's like four months away oh that's a good point <laughs> <laughs> Really yeah. Solid point yeah. 2021 really <laughs> fucking flew him. <laughs> 2020 or tw- yeah, 2020 fucking drag. It's Oscar then, season again. That's how you know. Yeah, this Jesus. has Drew Barrymore and Tom Skerritt in it. Yeah. And Cheryl at Leonardo DiCaprio is in this as Guy. Wait, is, is he? I don't. Is remember that his name him. or is that the character? I don't is remember just him in guy. it. But you missed the fact that Sarah Gilbert's in it. Oh, yeah, from Roseanne. She's the main character. And she won an Independent Spirit Award, I believe. Interesting. And it has a cunnilingus scene, you say. It does. No spoilers. All right. Where can I watch this? fucked up. I don't know, but it's directed by a woman. And that's one of the reasons that I think the movie really works for me in some ways. And I didn't even know it was directed by a woman before I watched it. You know what's crazy is that when you brought this up on the Slack channel, I went looking up Poison Ivy and like saw all of the different Poison Ivy sequels Mm -hmm. that there were. Yes. Have you seen all of these? Preston. I've seen one of them. It's a childhood classic. There's so yeah, the one with Jamie Priestley is the new seduction. What did I call her? Jamie Preston? Yes, yeah. you did. Wait, what's her name? Presley. Is that her name? Or Presley. I call her Presley. Yeah, it's Presley. Jamie Presley, thank you. Yeah, for my name is Earl. Um, yeah. She's fucking fantastic in that show. So there's Poison Ivy, the unimaginatively titled Poison Ivy 2 that comes out four years after the first one. That one has Alyssa Milano in it. Then you have Poison Ivy, the new seduction which comes out literally the next year. So they really ramped up the Poison Ivy Industrial Complex. Mm-hmm. But then you don't get a new one until 11 years later, and that is Poison Ivy, colon, The Secret Society. Where I guess you find out that all of these Poison Ivies have uh, have been part of a secret society. I don't know. But now I feel like I need to watch all these. Well, Three direct-to-video. Yeah. They're not bad. They're they're pretty good for softcore. If we put it on the schedule, I promise I will watch every Poison Ivy. So that oh, I, can I bet ex- you will. It'll be like when we did the Meg and I spent like two days beforehand reading all of the Wikipedia summaries of other <laughs> Meg books. Good. Okay. <laughs> so we have it on the books. We're doing Poison Ivy in 2022. I am here for it. Wasn't there another one? What's the one that, uh, that uh, Angelina Jolie was in? Wasn't she mm-hmm. like it was called like like Jiggly? Jiggly? No, she was in not she wasn't in Jiggly. She was in uh Oh Ga- Ga- Gaia? Gaia. Gia. Gia. Gia, that's it. Gia. Gia. Is that is that one of those similar? Oh, that no. was a TV movie. Yeah, about uh a model who died of oh, AIDS. Yeah, I thought she was in one that was like similarly like, you know, younger woman, older man. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's get out of I here. I don't know. Um, All right. See, Annette has taken us to many places. I know she was in Hackers because that fucking movie rules. <laughs> Never seen it. Oh, my God. Well, we should definitely do one on Hackers, but we'd have to wait until 2025 for it to be a round number. <laughs> that works. Yeah. Anyway. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's 
Let us do it. Um, so yeah, uh, again, podcastfilmstage.com for long form cunnilingus thoughts. You can become a patron and talk to us directly about your cunnilingus thoughts uh, by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show and give us your money. And uh, that is that. Uh, Rob, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are doing an anniversary episode of My Girl. My Girl. My Girl. I've never seen that movie. Interesting. It's great. I know that it made my sister cry. Um, oh, maybe I'll do that. She's always asking if she could be on the podcast. Maybe I'll do like a pre-recorded interview. <laughs> the only issue is that she takes after my mother, and I don't know if she's going to even remember that she saw my girl. Mm. My only you hope should is- watch this with Cora. It's a good kid movie. A little it's bit on dramatic. Netflix. Uh, there's a spoiler in that, right? Where someone doesn't quite make it all the way to the end. <laughs> I think since the movie is 25 years old, or what is it? 30th anniversary? I don't know. Jeez. I think it's probably 30. I think it's the 30th 1991. anniversary. 1991. Yeah, there's a famous demise in the film. Yeah. Okay, but I don't know if I want my daughter seeing that. <laughs> uh, Yeah, but she'll watch like... Uh, yeah, I guess there's not really anything that bad. Nah, never mind. Were you about to bring up Minari? <laughs> yeah. Right, no. Everything works out in Minari. Right. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay, well... My girl. Yeah, Excited. my girl. Next week. Exciting. Uh, where can people see that? It is apparently right now on Netflix with subscription. Mm-hmm. So check yep. that shit out. Uh, it stars Anna Klumsky, who you might remember from Veep. Macaulay Culkin, who you might remember from the Pizza Underground. And Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Remember the, him from Monster? <laughs> uh, yeah. Party Monster, you mean? You, Party Monster. You guys thanks. are fucking monsters. Macaulay Jesus Culkin, Christ. you might remember from The Good Son. A movie from Richie ri- Rich. A movie written by Ian McEwan, one of my favorite living novelists. Um, and of course, Dan Aykroyd, who owns Crystal Skull Vodka. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dan Aykroyd was Let's get the fuck out of here. What are we doing? Let's go. <laughs> I'm naming the least obvious things that you would know we these We know what you're from. doing, dear. Don't don't call me dear. Sing about it. Sing about it. (laughs) My darling. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) All right. Where can we people find you? I don't know. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Let's. Yeah. I think we've said everything else, right? Oh, no. I forgot to bring up movie. Don't forget that you can go to movie and watch a movie about Nick Cave, um, who has the song that's really great uh, that I listened to the other day for no reason other than that I wanted to hear it. The Curse of Millhaven um off okay. of the murder ballads so check that out uh it's, it's also the, the song that i used to open our pete's dragon episode just because that movie takes place in a town called millhaven but anyway that's all on movie you can go to mubi.com slash film stage for a free 30 day trial so let's tell the fine people at home where you can be found between now and the next time that we're talking in their ears about my girl bill graham let's start with you uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. All right. Robin Barr. I'm on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. And you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. Awesome. As for me, you can find uh, all my stuff at my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. Uh, of course, you can find uh, me on all the social medias at Brian J. Rowan. And uh, you can find my writing and every episode of this podcast by going to thefilmstage.com. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's about that. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. We love each other so much.